Well, good evening, you guys. Uh, one of the one of the bummers about announcing everyone shaking and everyone hugs while you're up on stage is no one comes and shakes your hand. You uh, so this is an unashamed. This is an unashamed day because someone wanted to come give me a hug. Like, come on, there we go. I love this. I felt, I felt left out. Oh man. All right. $5 I promised afterwards. Um, well, how you guys doing? How you guys doing tonight? Fantastic. You guys doing good? This is awesome. This is awesome. Uh, thank you for having myself uh, and our young adult crew come out and hang out with you guys. Uh, every Tuesday night we meet uh, over in a warehouse that our church is getting ready to purchase. Uh, our young adults get together and we do Bible study. And so it's fun to kind of bring the two together. Uh, and I say bring the two together, but we are one. Uh, we're one in Christ. We are one body. Uh, and so it's kind of fun when the hands get to hang out with the feet and the knees get to hang out with the elbows. And so uh, it's great to, to be together under one roof uh, and just worship God together. And uh, not only worship God through song, but worship God uh, through the reading and the study of his word. Uh, I have a few thoughts that have been going through my head for the last uh, few weeks. And uh, so I'm just going to share what I feel like the Lord's put on my heart. Um, and I'm just going to let you know up front, I'm going to be asking for your guys' input uh, intermittently throughout the, throughout the message, so feel free to get vocal. Uh, it's okay to get vocal in church. Amen? Amen. 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 Um, see, this is perfect. This is perfect. Sometimes you say amen, too, it's like cricket, cricket, cricket. And so, we're going to turn with you, if you will, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. How many of you guys got a Bible now? Awesome. Lots of Bibles. Um, I want to encourage you uh, with your Bible, if you have a notepad and a pen, also, uh, I would encourage you to take notes, uh, not because I think I have anything good to say, uh, but I know God's Word does have good things to say, and, and I know we can learn a lot uh, from God's Word as we study. Uh, so turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 8, um, and we're going to just read the first verse, and, and it'll make more sense in just a few moments. This is what it says uh, in verse 1. Of chapter 8. Now it came to pass afterward that he, this being Jesus, went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much uh, for your word. Uh, God, and we just pray that tonight, as we spend the next few moments, God, looking at what your word has to say, uh, God, I pray that each and every single one of us, God, that we would be impacted by your word, uh, God, that we would be changed from the inside out by your word, uh, God, that your word would challenge us, uh, that your word would inspire us, God, that your word would encourage us, and, and as we go from this place tonight, um, God, may we just experience the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. God, may we see that in our lives, and may we see that in other people's lives. Uh, God, and may we bring that to a world that needs it. Uh, God, I just pray that tonight, not only would be my words, but God, that you would speak through me, maybe the wisdom of me. Uh, God, may it fall on deaf ears, or may I not even be able to get it out of my mouth. God, that you are perfect, Lord. Now, what comes for this? So, God, we just this in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all our people said, Amen. 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 When you guys hear the phrase, glad tidings, what are some glad tidings of the kingdom of God uh, that come to your mind? And, and I'm going to ask you uh, to raise your hand only because someone's writing these down for me because they're going to come uh, in the play later on in the sermon. But a glad tidings, what's maybe a glad tidings? Forgiveness. What's another one? Love. Love. Redemption. Redemption. Truth. Truth. Joy. Joy. What else? 
Yeah, fruits of the Spirit, yeah, absolutely. Peace. Grace. Oh, that's good. What else do we got? Selflessness. Selflessness, yeah. Perseverance. Perseverance, good, good. Encouragement, man, that's a good one, that's a good one. Self-control. Self-control, super good, super good. Faith. Faith. Something else. All right, that's a pretty good list. How are we doing? Got it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, this is, when it comes to everything we just said, these are the glad tidings uh, that Jesus went around preaching, and, and, and this is what the kingdom uh, of heaven is made up of. But now what I want us to do is I want us to, to kind of look at the very things that we just said, uh, and I want us to get to the greater appreciation for them as we begin to look at the opposite of these things. So what's like the opposite of joy? What's the opposite uh, of faith? Denial, doubt, unbelief. Uh, what's the opposite of redemption? Conviction. Yeah, conviction. Um, get that list. We know I'm Give it up for Mariah, my, my scribe. Let's see here. Uh, what is the opposite of truth? Lies. Lies. Uh, opposite of mercy. Wrath. Ooh, yeah. Uh, opposite of peace. War. War. Yeah. Anarchy. Chaos. The opposite of grace. Yeah. Punishment. Judgment. Um, let's see. The opposite of perseverance. Giving up. Uh, what's the opposite of encouragement? Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, selflessness. Uh, just putting yourself first. Um, and so. When we look at this, uh, the blessing and, and those good tidings, when we line them up against those things that, that are their opposite, we, we get this juxtaposition of a life in Christ versus a life without Christ. Uh, a life without Christ is a life that is full of hate, that is full of doubt, that is full of discouragement, that is full of failures and giving up, uh, of, of being self-centered, of, of experiencing judgment, of experiencing wrath. Whereas when we give our lives to Christ, he gives us all the glad tidings of the kingdom, forgiveness, love, redemption, truth, joy, peace, and all these things. And uh, these things can be summarized for us really well. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 1. Um, this is a portion of scripture that has just been uh, really heavy on my heart for the last few, uh, really probably the last month or so. Um, we're starting with our youth group uh, to go to the book of Ephesians. Uh, in Ephesians, if you haven't actually like read through Ephesians just start to finish, one foul swoop, I encourage you to start Ephesians in chapter one, read all the way through the tail end, and just one sitting because it'll rock your world. There's so much this amazing reality about Christ, uh, truth, um, and just some solid doctrine and theology uh, here in Ephesians. Uh, but what I want to read is I want to read Ephesians chapter one. Uh, picking up in verse 3, and then we're going to read through uh, about verse 8 or so. This is what it says, picking up in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons in Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. 
to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made abound towards us in all wisdom and truth. It's a really cool thing uh, here to be said in this portion of Scripture. Uh, but before we dive into uh, kind of just, I have a five-point sermon, if that's okay. Uh, is that all right? It's a five-point sermon, but it's not going to take five hours, I promise you. Uh, but before we actually dive into the points, um, I always think it's important for us to understand uh, who the Bible uh, is being written to in these specific moments. So in the book of Ephesians, we have Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. Uh, Paul, if you look at Acts, Acts chapter 19 and Acts chapter 20, tells Paul's missionary journeys to Ephesus. And Paul did something very different in Ephesus than he did in any other town. Uh, you see, Paul used to itinerate and go town to town to town, establish churches, build up churches that were already there, uh, and spend a few weeks, maybe a month or two in those towns. But when he got to Ephesus, he stayed in Ephesus for three years, just as long as he stayed in any other city. Uh, establishing the church, and some things took place in the city of Ephesus uh, that really encouraged Paul to stay there for, for a long time. When Paul shows up, uh, if, if you want to write this down for later, Acts chapter 19, he shows up, and he sees that there's already disciples in Ephesus, and he's like, oh, this is super cool, and he runs up to him, and he says, hey, how's it going, guys? And they're like, hey, bless you, brother, how's it going? And Paul says, hey, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And their response to Paul is this, they're like, man, we don't even know if there's such a thing as the Holy and then Paul says, well, well what have you been baptized into? And they say, we've been baptized into the baptism of John the Baptist. And Paul says, what, have you heard of Jesus? And they're like, Jesus who? He's like, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. And they're like, no, tell us more. And Paul tells them about Jesus, and we're told in Acts chapter 19 that they say, man, we want to follow this Jesus. Can you pray for us? And Paul says, absolutely. And he lays his hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit that began speaking in tongues. And, and, and their lives are radically changed. Then he goes on to tell us that Paul would reason with them in the synagogue, and he reasons with them for two months until there's enough of a crowd that says, Paul, you got to go do this somewhere else. We don't like what you're teaching. And it tells us that they go to the school of Tyrannus. And Paul, for the next three years, breaks down the Old Testament, breaks down the law, and establishes a church in Ephesus uh, that is full of people who just love to study the scriptures and, and, and who are so ingrained in what the scriptures have to say that they are like the, the all-star team of first century Christianity. Um, now, history tells us that that kind of got their heads a little bit uh, because we see in the book of Revelation, Jesus actually writes a letter to the church in Ephesus some 30 years later saying, hey, you guys lost your first love. You remember when Paul came and we're like, we want to follow Jesus? Jesus said, hey, you forgot that. Now you're just all about the rules and all this stuff. And so we're going to mention and we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, but the book of Ephesians uh, is a book that can really be uh, a Christian faith uh, summarized. It, it, it's been called by uh, scholars and theologians as the grand canyon of scripture. It is from the book of Ephesians. You can get this kind of like broad overview of what the life of a believer looks like. Ephesians breaks down super easy for us. Uh, it, Paul writes it in such a manner under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he gives us some doctrine, and then right after the doctrine, he gives us duty. And then he gives us doctrine, and he gives us duty. He gives us theology and practical application. So often we, we, we hear concepts in church and, and, and we do Bible studies, we're like, man, what is sanctification? What is justification? How do I actually 
puts the boots to the ground and walks out by faith. And what Paul does in this book of Ephesians, he gives us that theology and he says, hey, this is how you go live it in your everyday life. And so, just as a side note for, for any of you uh, who want to just do a deeper study in the book of Ephesians, we're just going to look at a few things real quick tonight. Uh, but Ephesians really breaks down in three distinct parts. The first part talks about uh, the riches that we receive uh, as a believer. And, and, and I'm not talking about monetary things. I'm not talking about physical possessions. Here in verse 3 it says, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, not some, not most, but every spiritual blessing. So we see the richness of the believer. Then we see in the kind of the middle section of the Ephesians, we see what the, re, uh, what the believer should be reflecting uh, in his or her life when, when they have experienced the richness that comes with being a follower of Christ. Now there's a responsibility to reflect that. So you can see the reflections of the believer. And then both of those things put together uh, come uh, and in harmony together in the last chapter when we see some spiritual warfare that the believer might have to Partaking in, so we see the readiness of the believer and how the believer can be ready in season and out, not only to talk about their faith and talk about what they believe, but also do battle in the spiritual realm for their faith. And so, the book of Ephesians is jam packed, uh, and we don't have time tonight to just like nail the whole thing. So, we're going to look at five spiritual blessings. And no one says here in verse 3 that every spiritual blessing, but I don't think there's enough time uh, in the world. If we were to do this every night for the next 10 years to hit every spiritual blessing. So we're going to hit five of them tonight. Uh, and I know it's a, a bold, uh, bold challenge, but we're going to accept it. And uh, so if you're taking notes, uh, the first of these five spiritual blessings can be found uh, in verse 4. Uh, and the first spiritual blessing that we want to look at tonight uh, is the fact that God shows us. Uh, God has chosen each and every single one of you. God has chosen you and, and called you a son and a daughter. Now, that statement there, God shows us, could open up uh, a can of worms theologically. People would be like, man, would God choose me? Did I choose God? How did this all happen? And I don't want to really unpack that tonight. It's, it's been an argument in Christian circles uh, for, for hundreds of years. Uh, what I like to tell people is I like to say, hey, you know what? In the end, choose God and find out God chose you. It's as simple as that. Make a decision to follow Jesus. And realize that God chooses you and calls you his son and his daughter. How many of you guys uh, in elementary school love to play dodgeball? You love dodgeball here? Awesome. I asked that question on Sunday night to our youth group, and it was just no hands went up. And I was like, who doesn't like to play dodgeball? Um, but I love dodgeball, uh, and I'm terrible at dodgeball. Um, I, I, I can't throw a ball. Unless, like, I mean, whether my life depended on it or not. I can catch a ball. I can throw a football really well. But there's something about throwing a round ball that it just doesn't work for me, and I just fall through and I figure out right in front of me. How many of you guys remember, like, uh, the Seattle Mariners, what, what is it, Safeco Field? Um, they have, like, this little pitching station where you can, like, it, it clocks your pitch. And uh, I, I, I had a group up there, and they're like, all right, Matt, like, let's see how hard you can throw. I'm like, this is going to be embarrassing, but I'm going to do it. I kid you not. It's like right here, and there's like stands of people here watching the game. It's like intermission, so no one has anything to watch. And I grab this ball, and I'm just goofing off, and I pretend like I know what I'm doing. And I go to throw, and literally I follow through all the way, and the ball hit the ground directly in front of me, bounces straight up in front of several hundred people, and they all were laughing at me, and it was just really embarrassing. Um, so I, in dodgeball, normally get picked last. Uh, I'm also a really big 
target so most teams don't want to be and so I didn't get hit very often first up in my uh, in dodgeball uh, and how many of you guys know it kind of is a bummer to be like if there's nine people and you're playing four on four to be the one person who does it yeah uh, I can't say that, that was me but I was going like, hey, I always felt that was number nine but here's the thing in our, uh, in our lives and in our walks with Christ, we don't have to worry about being number nine because this thing, God chooses us. And I don't know for you, but for me, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit later on about acceptance, but, but the fact that God chose me, the fact that God chooses you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God says, I want you. I want you on my team. I want you. This with me. I think that's pretty, pretty cool. And, 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 and what's so awesome about this is it doesn't just say God like chose you after He watched you uh, pass a few tests and do a few things. This is what it says in verse 4. It says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. So before like Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, or even you in creation, before Genesis 1-1, outside of time, in eternity, God said, hey, you know what? There's going to be born on December 11th, 1989, this guy named Matt, and uh, I'm going to choose him to be on my team. That's pretty ridiculous. And it just goes to show how awesome God is. We can talk about, well, did he choose me or did he foreknow? I was gonna... All that aside, God wants you on his team. <laughs> And, and, and the purpose of God's team is pretty stinking cool also. It's to go tell other people about the team and say, hey, hop on board. This is a great team. And the trophy is awesome. It's called heaven. And that's pretty stinking cool. But we're going to talk. Heaven is awesome. But we're going to talk just a little bit later on about that trophy that we receive even now, here and now, in this life, there on earth. It goes on to say this, that uh, being holy uh, without blame before him. Uh, the next point uh, in, in our thing is the first blessing was God chose us. The next one is this, God adopts us. This is what it says in verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. How many of you guys know what adoption is? Anyone want to throw out a definition or idea uh, on what adoption is? Okay, okay, so so in the theological sense, God 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 makes us his son daughter. Right, right. Chosen not just as a child, but chosen as an heir to a family he did not belong to. It. So often when I think about adoption. Uh, I think about uh, the friend I went to high school with uh, who uh, was, was adopted. He had step parents. Uh, and, and, and he was no he wasn't a part of the family at one point and then he became a part of the family and took on the last name. But that's that's not really the adoption that's being talked about here. What, what the adoption being talked about here in verse five is that uh, becoming an heir uh, to a family that you were not once a part of. When we gave our hearts to Jesus, when you put the faith in Jesus, you are born into the family of God. But what is awesome, and we're told here in verse 5, God does this according to his good pleasure. 
what he does is this term of adoption here actually is a Hebrew concept. Uh, it, it, it was a Jewish concept that um, you could give someone who was not the firstborn son, uh, you could give them all the rights and all the benefits of being the firstborn son. So what that means is we're talking inheritance, we're talking birthright, we're talking all the things that come with being the firstborn son in a Jewish context. Uh, you could give that if you were to adopt maybe a younger son or, or, or if you were to adopt a slave in the family. You could give them those benefits in the present. And so what this means uh, to, to those people was, let's say you're the third son down the ladder, the father adopts you, gives you the, the, um, the benefits and the inheritance of the firstborn son and all the blessings of the firstborn son. You could now tap into your inheritance right here, right now, take your money and go. But God's not talking about money here with us. He's not talking about that here. So we say it's the inheritance that comes with being a follower of Christ, the hope that we have of eternal life and future in heaven. But we can tap into, uh, I guess, the base of all of the blessings that come with being a son, being a firstborn son of God. And that is all the spiritual blessings, all the spiritual riches, all the spiritual gifts. All of that is available to the believer here and now. Jesus prays that it would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when he adopts us in, he says, hey, you have that heaven power in you, and you can meet that here and now. And so, one, the fact that God, according to his good pleasure, and the good pleasure of his will, would even think about giving us the opportunity to be treated like Jesus being the Son of God, um, God in this adoption process gives us the the life. Uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but, but God views us as He views Jesus. And, 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 and what I mean about this is, is He treats us the way that Jesus is treated. He, he, he treats us uh, in such a way, like when Jesus was on the cross, uh, He took on our sin. Uh, and what happened in that whole that just took place. Jesus up on the cross, he's actually on the cross in place of Barabbas. They let Barabbas go and they put Jesus up on the cross. Jesus was treated like Barabbas so that Barabbas could be treated like Jesus. And, 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 and what it is, is it's seen through the eyes of grace, seen through the eyes of forgiveness. And so uh, this is what God does for each and every single one of us if we put our faith in him. So not only does he choose us, but he adopts us. The third thing uh, is this. We see this in verse 6. Uh, it says this, To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. So not only are we chosen, not only are we adopted, but we're accepted by God. How many of you guys uh, in Gamma, how many of you guys grew up uh, in church? How many of you guys grew up in church? Uh, okay, so, so about 50-50. Uh, for those of you who grew up in church, uh, how many of you guys like, grew up in the time you were super young and went to like Sunday school? You want to go to Sunday school? Okay. Uh, in Sunday school, how many of you guys remember maybe uh, this is you praying a prayer with your Sunday school teacher where you said, uh, Dear Jesus, uh, I accept you into my heart. And adults pray that prayer all the time. How many of you guys prayed that prayer before? Okay, awesome. I, I, I prayed that prayer, Jesus, I accept you into my heart. Um, the concept here of us accepting Jesus into our heart, we're actually not accepting Jesus into our heart, we're receiving Jesus 
into our heart. It's not like Jesus is standing outside the door, like the Bible says, knocking. It's not like he's out in the cold, shivering, and we look out the window of our heart, and we're like, oh, man, Jesus looks cold. We should accept him into the house. That's not what's going on. Uh, in all reality, we receive Jesus, and Jesus accepts us. And, and, and we could probably spend the next hour, two hours, to three hours, but we don't have that tonight. We're going to be done in 15 minutes at 830. Uh, but, uh, I don't know, but Jesus accepts us. Uh, and, and acceptance uh, is, is something that uh, in the world in which we live, uh, there's a lot of people who feel rejected. Maybe it's rejected by parents. Maybe it's rejected uh, by, by school. Maybe you wanted to play sports, but you just you didn't make the cut and you feel rejected by it. There's so much rejection in this world, and acceptance is kind of just overlooked. But the fact, when you are accepted and you feel accepted, uh, it's kind of hard to put into words what true acceptance really feels like. And, and, and true acceptance is felt when we realize that God accepts us just as we are. Just as we are. This is the thing. Jesus doesn't say, okay, what you need to do is you need to do this, 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 this. Maybe change that up a little bit, then do this. And then maybe I will look at your resume again. And maybe, just maybe, I'll accept you. No, Jesus says, I accept you wherever you are. You remember the story of the woman who was caught in adultery? This mob, they come for Jesus, they're dragging this girl, they say, Jesus, this girl was caught in adultery. She was caught in the very act. Now, that has a lot of things that maybe we just glance over, but this means she was literally in the act of adultery. She gets snagged out of the room or wherever she was, and she drags her out the streets, just completely humiliated, rejected by everyone around her. She's thrown before Jesus in the dirt. And they say, yo, Jesus, uh, the law says we should sell it. What do you say we should do? What does Jesus do? Get down and start drawing the sand, doing something in the sand. And they're like, Jesus, come on, what are we going to do? And Jesus stands up and he says, all right, let's go. But you who is without the first, uh, or, or, or you who is without sin, you throw the first stone. And then back down. And, and I can just imagine the amount of silence that's going on and the murmuring. And then we're told in scripture, from the oldest to the youngest, they drop their stone and they go home. Just imagine when the oldest guy who, who, who lived a life and he knows he's sinful, when he drops the stone, and the next person might, yeah, boom, boom, So the entire crowd dissipates, and Jesus says to the girl, he's there, young time to go to, he says, hey lady, where, where are the accusers? Where are your accusers? And she says, they left. Darn it. Jesus says, okay, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's the thing that Jesus does with us. He says, I'm going to take you right where you're at. I'm going to meet you in the dirt. I'm going to meet you in the rocks. I'm going to meet you wherever you are, and I accept you. And I accept you, and I love you. And out of the love, I'm going to share grace. I'm going to give you mercy. You don't deserve any of this, but because I love you, I accept you, and I want you to be a part of my family. And that's, it's, it's so crazy to try and wrap our heads around, uh, because that's not natural. Mankind. That's not natural to us. We look for a way out. We look to accuse. We look to say, hey, that person's worse than me. I know I'm bad. Did you see what that person is? And Jesus says, no, it doesn't matter. I accept you. And I think that's something that, 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 that we as followers of Christ, uh, that's something I think we need to be 
putting into practice in our everyday lives. I heard it said this way, um, actually just today, uh, I was listening to the radio, and there was an interview, and they were talking about the gospel, and they were talking about, well, the church is just a whole bunch of rules and do's and don'ts. The person who was being interviewed said, no, man, the church is all about being loved, and it was saying the love of Christ to someone. He said, take a look at this this way. He said, if I was driving on a road, there's a beautiful lake, and I, I got seen in the middle of the lake drowning. And I pull over my car, and I run down to the beach, I jump at the lake, I swim out to the middle, I grab you, I save you, I bring you back, and you don't drown, and I save you. You're going to treat me from God's goodness, and you're going to thank you, please, thank you. And this is awesome. He said, but what if I pulled over, and I ran down to the beach, and then I started going at you, hey, I think you should change up your stroke. The back stroke's not working. Go with the breast stroke. Kick a little harder. Use your arms. I don't think you're doing it right. Lay on your back. But the person who's drowning out in the middle of the lake would be like, thanks, man. That doesn't help me at all. But so often that's what happens in the church. That's so often what happens with Christians is we see people drowning in the lake. And rather than saying, hey, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to accept you because God accepts you. I'm going to try to pull you up. We stand in the stand there and be like, hey, man, you can't wear that hat in church. Don't come here if your jeans have holes in them. And we start giving all these different rules. And, and I just described myself. I did not do that on purpose. I saw a few smiles. I was like, hey, I have holes in them. But no, like, like this is the thing. We, we, we can so easily cast stones. We can so easily accuse people. But how is that reflecting the God who met us where we are and said, I accept you how you are. Go and sin no more. So I just want to encourage us. That's just a little side point. Side point. I just want to encourage you guys. Let's be a people who are accepting, not compromising on, on the word of God, but accepting people and loving them with the love of Christ. Amen? Amen. This is what it says. Uh, this is our fourth point. It says this in verse 7. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood. The first point being this, we're chosen. The second point, we are adopted. The third point, we're accepted. The fourth point is we have been redeemed. Now when you hear redemption, when I hear redemption, I think of one of two things. One is really religious. I think redemption has a religious term. The other is what the Steelers are going to get next year when they don't lose to the Broncos. And they beat the Broncos. Uh, uh, sorry, I had to drop that. Uh, and Scott, uh, Scott came up to me before and he goes, man, I'm sorry, but you all know Scott's a big Broncos fan, right? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But, but um, what redemption actually means here, this is not a, a theological term. This is not a religious concept. What redemption means this redemption here uh, is a slavery term. Uh, and, and when someone was a slave, uh, there could be a master uh, who maybe saw something in the slave and said, you know what, they're going to be better off not a slave and as a free person. And so I am going to purchase their freedom. I'm going to lay down some of my assets. I'm going to lay down some of my financial uh, gain. I'm going to lay down, I'm going to sacrifice something so that this person could have their freedom purchased. And this is the thing. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. Uh, he, he, he laid down his life to purchase our freedom. But here's the thing. God says about each and every one of you that there's something better than being a slave. There's something better than being a slave to the world, slave to the system of this world, slave to the cycles of sin, of, uh, of just generational things. And he says, no, I want to bring you freedom. Not just free 
freedom is the center of man. You can do whatever you want. But freedom is a higher cause, a higher purpose that I've set you free from slavery for a job, and I have a job for you to do. And it's better that you are not a slave, but that you are free to do it. And here's the thing. These slaves, when they were redeemed, or when they were purchased, they could no longer ever become a slave again. Once it happened, let's say the masters were to die, the contract doesn't end, and then they just go back into slavery. No. Once they were redeemed, they were free for the rest of their life. This is what Jesus does for us. God so loved us that he gave his son. He, he, he purchased our freedom through Jesus' blood on the cross. And now we have freedom in him. And he says, live in that freedom. Go and sin no more. You now have life and life to the fullest in Christ. You can tap into the inheritance of being a firstborn. You've been adopted. I've chosen you. I've accepted you. I've redeemed you. Now go and live the life you were meant to live. That goes into the fifth point. And the fifth point is this. The forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. The riches of his grace. Uh, we've been forgiven. We've been chosen. We've been adopted. We've been accepted. We've been redeemed. And we've been forgiven. The Bible tells us this. God forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west. Now, the way the globe works, from the west. It's never going to touch. It's a never-ending life, and it's never going to touch. I forgive your sins. He has forgiven us. And with that forgiveness, and, and that forgiving of our sins, he says, go and sin no more. I've forgiven you. I've forgiven you. Don't beat yourself up. I've accepted you. Don't, don't get down on yourself. Don't get back to the things that once you were placed you. I've redeemed you. Don't think of yourself not worthy. I've chosen you. I've adopted you. You're forgiven. And this is something that I think every single believer in Christ needs to be reminded of. We've been forgiven. We are no longer a slave to the thing that once enslaved us. But now we are part of the family of God. And we live in a newness of life that comes with Christ. Uh, and it's not only a message for the believer. Remember, in chapter. Verse 1 says Jesus traveled around telling of the good tidings, those blessings that came as being a part of the kingdom of God. He was telling that to people who didn't believe. And so the gospel, the good news, the glad tidings, is exciting. The gospel is something we should get super excited about, super amped and jacked about. The gospel isn't change this, change this, change this, and then maybe. No, the gospel is like, dude, you can have freedom in Christ. And now you have a new life. And that's something we should get super excited about. And for too long, believers have been sitting down and like, man, you know what? I wish this world would change around me. Going to hell in the And they just sit there. And we sit there. I, I, I'm guilty of it myself. I look at it. Man, this is, this is a bummer. Yeah, I have all of those things that we wrote down. I have joy. I have peace. I have like mercy, grace, all these things. There's a deposit of me. I've been told, Matthew chapter 28, to go bring that to the world. I, I heard it said this way, and now I'm going to close with this. Let light avoid darkness and day. 
life of the Lord. We have the life of Christ in us. And if we're just sitting back and not doing anything, darkness is going to invade. And we were told to sit and hide our light. We were told to go into the world and shine that light and tell the people of the good news of God's highway. One more thing. Uh, I, I heard it said this way too. The thing in which we focus on, that's the thing that we're going to follow. The thing that we're full of is the thing that's going to lead us. Rather than focusing on the negative, let's focus on the greatness that is the gospel of Jesus. And let's follow that. And let's be full of his word. Let's be full of his love. Let's be full of those church blessings so that those things lead us as we bring the life of Christ, the good news, and the dying Christ to the world around us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, dear God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, we thank you that your word... Um, God, cuts through the bone and the marrow, God, through the soul and the spirit, God, and reveals to us the motives and the intent of our heart. Uh, God, I pray and, and I trust forgiveness in my own life, God, for, for, for the times where, um, God, I haven't seen myself through your eyes. God, where I think of myself as less than worthy, where I think of myself as not adequate. Mm-hmm. God, because that's not how you see me. That's not how you see us, God. You see us and the spirit that adopted. You see us as accepted, as redeemed, as forgiven. God, I pray and I ask forgiveness for the times where I look at the world around me and I say, man, look at all these lost people. Man, it really sucks to see us, God. God, help me see people around me. Help us see the people around us the way you see them. God, that you love them. And you so love them that you sent your son so that anyone who believes your son everlasting life. God, in that everlasting life, they can realize that they've been chosen. They too have been adopted. God, in a world full of rejection, there's acceptance in Christ. In a world full of slavery and bondage, redemption, whatever it is, God, there's freedom in the redeeming nature of who you are. God, forgive us for those things. God, may we Thank mm-hmm. you.